Hi, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes. One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. Pull up those mom jeans. It's time for... I never saw that. Always look on the bright side of life. Why are you singing that, Micah? This episode was called Life of Brian. My so-called life, episode 11. Clever. I know. Well, I found a lot of parallels, actually. Between Um, Monty Python and... Yeah, between that Monty Python movie and the plot of this one. Do tell. So when... Brian was mistaken for the Messiah, and there was that whole subplot that went on, and then, um, you know, I don't, I don't know why they called it Life of Brian. Actually, I mean, I do. It was about him, but it just seems like clearly a reference to... I haven't seen Life of Brian in a long time, so maybe I'm just missing something. It starts with Brian being super creepy with his camera and watching Angela in her house. I mean, he's got a nice piece of glass on that old Nikon, but it's a little creepy, right? Yeah, I wrote Brian is a peeping Tom. Yeah, pretty much. But it also starts with narration by Brian. The whole episode, he narrates it instead of Angela, which is, I think, the first time that's happened, Mm -hmm. right? It is, and I liked that also. I did, but I thought it was also odd that it was Brian. Like, why haven't we gotten a Ricky episode or a Rayanne episode? Well, maybe we will. I just don't like Brian that much. But I have to say I was a little more on board after this episode. In ways. Also, he was kind of a douche. He was a real douche. I think Brian is interesting because he's just a nerdy kid in high school. He's just the kid who is trying to survive high school. Yeah. Uh, And I think his character is really relatable to a lot of people. Yeah. We find out at the very beginning that his parents are a behavioral psychologist and a Freudian psychiatrist, which apparently are always at odds with each other. Oh my gosh. Because his parents are always arguing. They're just disagreeing about what's wrong with Brian and what to do with Brian. His mom is like, how are you feeling or something? And she's like, feel free not to answer. Yeah. I don't remember what his dad says. Anyway. Off screen, there were just voices yelling from downstairs because that's always good parenting. Just yell at your kids from downstairs. But it is a really interesting insight into his life and how controlled it seems. That's the feeling I got from that. Mm. He's just always being analyzed. and Yeah. So this one's about Brian. Uh, <laughs> there are also other things that happen in it. Uh, Sharon is organizing a dance. And the theme is world happiness? Yeah, not world peace. World happiness. World happiness. It's a weird theme, right? Very weird. The whole concept of happiness is weird to me, but yeah. Also, just since you said Sharon, Sharon's scrunchie game was on point (laughs) as usual. Once again, you have to point these things out to me. No, because we're not not supposed to talk about it. I see a single scrunchie. Until now. Well, I don't really even understand that. Can you just remind me before the episodes? Like, Look for the scrunchies. Keep an eye out for scrunchies, Micah. Why? What are you... Because I just feel like I'm missing a huge part of the show. <laughs> like, There's a costume designer somewhere. There's somebody in the wardrobe department that worked fucking hard getting all those scrunchies together and figuring out which episode they worked thematically best in yeah. and dressing her. And I'm just missing out on that. Yeah. I feel like it's selfish, actually, of you at this point. Okay. Now I'm mad at you. Okay. I understand. Feel free not to talk about it or feel free to talk about it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know (laughs) what she would say in this situation. Or what would a Freudian person say? You want to have sex with your mother or something like that. Ooh. Or with a scrunchie, maybe. Uh, ooh. I'm being too anal. Because when they're all scrunched up, they kind of look good. Okay, yep. We done with this topic? <sighs> I guess Never so. Never talking about scrunchies again. 
I guess it fits with the whole I never saw that theme if I never saw the scrunchies. Yes. <laughs> and I have nothing else to <laughs> and, say about that shit. Yeah, there's nothing else to say about it. So, yes, Sharon is in charge of organizing the school dance. And Brian is taking a lot of pictures because he's the yearbook photographer. And he makes a comment about how being the yearbook photographer means that he's never in the picture. Mm-hmm. Which I also thought was a very kind of insightful, thoughtful line, just because I thought it was a metaphor for not belonging. There was a lot of not belonging in this episode, actually, with Brian and with Ricky. Oh, and it was also apparently the one day a year when new kids get to come to school. It was New Kid Day, because there are two new characters introduced as new kids. Yeah? Yeah. I remember there's Delia. Delia and Corey, the guy that Ricky kind of has a little crush on. He's a new student? Uh, Well, it wasn't totally clear, but he's never been shown before. And one of the little synopses I read says, Brian has to decide between going to a dance with Delia or Angela, and Ricky has a crush on a new student. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So apparently that's how Pittsburgh Public Schools works. If you want to get in, there's one day. (laughs) And there's a dance right after it, which is fucked up. That's a lot of pressure, you know? Hey, Mm -hmm. new kids, there's a dance coming up. Welcome to our school. Find a date or die. Yeah. And Jordan Catalano doesn't go to school dances, says Rayanne. But he did. He did. He showed up because it just happened, you know? I just like to let things happen. There's a quote. So Angela is Mm. so painfully awkward in this episode multiple times when she's trying to talk to Jordan. Yes. So she goes out. She talks to Rayanne and Ricky about the dance. Like, you guys aren't going to the dance, right? (laughs) What a stupid thing when we wouldn't go to a dance. But it's clear they all want to go to the dance. Except Rayanne, probably. She really doesn't. But then she goes out and sees Jordan by his car. And she's talking to him. And she asks... Or she brings up the dance awkwardly, like making fun of it and making fun of world happiness, just like we did. And he says something about dances and she's like, yeah, you don't go to those, I'm sure. And she's like, right? Yeah. It is very awkward. And then he... It's clear that she's asking him. He says, yeah, I have this philosophy. See, I have this philosophy. You have a philosophy? If I go somewhere and someone I know is there then cool there's something natural about it but once you start making plans then you have like like obligations and that basically blows so my feeling is whatever happens happens i have to say i really respect that she thinks whatever happens happens the coolest thing she's ever heard well when he says says that when he says it yes And then later, Brian says it almost word for word. Look, it wasn't some big plan or anything. I I don't even believe in making plans. Whatever happens, happens. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And (laughs) Graham also says it. Yeah. And I don't remember what the reaction is, because at this point, I don't care about her parents anymore. I'm tired of them, kind of. Yeah, do you want to just cover that uh, subplot? We could. I don't even know if I took any notes on it. It's I'm just Graham it. is wallpapering a room. That's oh, God. It. Yeah. The wallpaper and thing. At first, Patty doesn't really trust him to be able to do it right. So there's that. Patty Graham being can't do fucking anything controlling. Right. Yeah. And then Graham being really stressed about it being perfect. It ends up being a metaphor about Graham's work life and also about Brian's sex life. Yes. Or dating life, I guess, because yeah. Brian ends up coming in to help a lot. Brian helps. Again, why is Brian doing all the fucking handiwork oh because they only have girls and so if you want to play catch <laughs> right or do any work around the house you gotta get that gotta neighbor get brian over so brian just wanders in again hey you're on wheels and... why don't you come help me wallpaper this room <laughs> yeah he wasn't we haven't seen rollerblades for a while maybe were rollerblades out already not cool was it a quick fad i don't know uh anyway brian just wanders in and starts helping with yeah. Wallpapering, because that's what he does. He's just a helpful guy, and he's always around. Um, and he does have a great line in there about how he has wallpaper in his room, and he says, oh, those, what are they, morning glories? Mm-hmm. Don't line up. In my room, one seam is off, and I stare at it constantly. Wait, the, the morning glories aren't lined up. Um, in my room, one seam's a little off, and I stare at it constantly. 
It's like destroying me. But then it does become a metaphor for girls. For Brian trying and... to decide between Angela and Delia as right. far as who to take to the dance. Because girls are just wallpaper to be chosen that you put on your wall mm-hmm. and consume and you're in charge and you decide which wallpaper you want. <sighs> yeah. It got pretty rough there for yeah. a little while. But except that it was the 90s. Except that that's not really that wasn't really the situation. I mean, Delia was into Brian and then he asked her to the dance and she she was I mean, she had basically asked him to ask her to yeah. the dance. And he did, and she was super excited. She was really happy about it. And then Angela asked if she could also come to the dance, clearly not having a date. And so Brian's choice was, does he cancel his date with Delia and go with Angela instead? So it wasn't like the only reason he had that choice to make is because Angela came to him because that's what she does when she needs something. Right. And when she's in a tough spot, there's always Brian. So Yeah, Angela's not innocent at all in this, but... Brian had several choices he could have made. If his if his story, if his like plot line in this was a choose your own adventure, he chose the worst option he at did. every stage. He did, except and I, I know that is true and he acted like a real dick. But also he's had the a crush on this girl forever. Yeah. Oh, and it's a totally relatable thing. It is. It's like you can imagine yourself in his position even as you're feeling for Delia. So obviously you probably have gathered that the choice that Brian makes is to cancel his date with Delia. Yeah, well. And take Angela instead. Lie to Delia multiple times. Well, he, and when she calls him out on it, then he eventually tells her partial truths. He tries to lie to her. And then she says, just tell me the truth. I can handle anything but lies. He's like, I have some other commitment and it's important. Or something, and she realizes it's a girl. But then later, when he goes to pick up Angela, so he tells Delia, there's another girl, and I'd rather go with her. Delia's crushed. He just moves on. He shows up to pick up Angela, and Angela's like, where's Delia? And he makes up some bullshit story about her aunt is sick. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Like, he just lies about... Oh, she couldn't come because... Well, what's he gonna say? I canceled with her so I could go with you? Then Angela's gonna be like... Uh, no. Well, but everybody knows that he's full of shit. Well, yeah, obviously, like, they all know. Uh, Angela and Patty and Graham all give each other looks that are very knowing. Yeah. And then, actually, the best part with Patty and Graham is after they leave and... (laughs) Yeah, Patty's Patty's actually really funny about it. Did you see the look on her face? Did you see her face when he told her that that other girl wasn't coming? (laughs) They're going to have... Such a terrible time. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just laughing. But yeah, so Graham's papering the room and it's a metaphor for him trying to find a career and how you have to live with it for your whole life and you have to look at it forever and you're stuck with the choice you make and all that bullshit. Here's a note that I took, though, because... Oh, buckle up, people. These are good. Important. Is this like a hacker situation? I just wrote, Graham is an idiot and Brian is horny. Deep, That sums up the wallpaper for me. I think we're done here. You know, I think we nailed this one. I think that's that as far as the wallpaper. (laughs) Um, Yes, Brian is majorly horny in this. Um, And I do want to point out there's an awesome scene where he and Delia have complete hand sex. (laughs) And by hand sex, I mean their hands touch a few times. But that can be so erotic. Yes, and there's someone that makes a Rayanne comment about says, how it's the hands aren't even an erogenous zone. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon, yeah, but they her. totally are. Yeah, in both ways. Yeah, but Brian's. I thought you were going to say the line that Brian says during that when their hands touch. He says, "Finally, an erection from actual physical contact." Yes, that's a different scene than I'm talking about. Oh, but it is? yes, yeah. I mean their hands touch. Yeah. Anyway, did we even say who Delia was? Delia's a new girl. Who yeah, we talked about the new kids. Sharon introduces to Brian, and apparently Delia already has a crush on Brian. I did. I I actually do hope that we get episodes narrated by some other characters too. I mean, I love Angela's narration, but I would like to hear from Jordan at this point because this episode did make me like Brian more. Because I think when you're in someone's head, of course yeah. you're gonna like them more. You relate right. to them more because you know what they're actually you get thinking. Their I mean, he knows and... he's acting like a dick, and he knows he's an idiot. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like. Uh, so yeah, I I would love to hear from Jordan and Ricky and Rianne. Speaking of Rianne, how have we not covered this in the last episode, which yeah. I cried several times in? She was in the hospital, 
She, she had is... a stomach pump. She OD'd. Yeah, she's now fine, and she is sober. She's been sober for 10 days in this mm-hmm. episode. And so that's we'll see where that goes. As much as they address it, basically. Brian narrating, though, I do have to say, I would like to hear more other narrators. I think it'd be interesting. But Brian was not a good narrator. I just don't... I didn't like the way he delivered some of the narration, the actor. And I also... Some of the shit he was saying, for being a really smart guy... Like he's portrayed as this, he's taking calculus and he's triple minoring, which I don't even know what that means in high school, but apparently he has a triple minor. Um, oh yeah, I wrote that question down. Classes. What the fuck does that mean in <laughs> high school? Know. But he's super emotionally stunted for someone that's so smart. He Just, is a teenage boy who right. has been analyzed and controlled by his parents for his entire life, has never, ha- I mean, I think it makes sense. I I've, a lot of people are book smart and not. Oh, totally. Yeah, it was just socially. I don't want to hear him narrate adept. any more episodes because the stuff no, he said yeah, was no, dumb this, and shallow. And I love when he says, "My life is so ridiculous," and I forget the. Re- I don't know what else he said. Maybe I'll find that quote because again, <laughs> note taking. Tell me more about that, Jen. Oh, you can't about my note taking. No, never mind. Oh, it will. Since we're on that topic, I'm so mad. Why do I keep doing this? These are awesome notes, though, and maybe you can tell me what I was talking about. I just wrote, oh, hey, it's fucking Kyle. Oh, I hope he screws it up so she hates him forever. Oh, it was What when, was I talking about? Um, Sharon and Kyle are standing in the hallway, and Sharon's trying to get everybody to go to the dance and asking if they're coming to the dance, and Kyle's just oh, standing yeah. there staring at something oh, yeah. like an idiot because that's what he does. That's right. She's trying and to get him. she's like, so are you going to ask me to the dance or not? And he's like, oh, yeah, I was going to do that. He's like, well, will you do it soon? Because I'm under a lot of stress. And if this doesn't go well, and I don't know, apparently, did he screw it up? I don't think so. He asked her. They went, but then she hated no, him. No, but he was a total he douche was a, about it. Yeah. Uh, so Fucking anyway, I, another part, another thing that Brian said that I loved in the narration. So w- when he goes and cancels with Delia, he says, of all the stupid things I've said that are like countless, I've never <laughs> wanted to take anything back more than that one. Yeah. I love how much he says like in the narration, mm-hmm. too. It's totally, it's so good. It's it's like what you said in the very first episode, that they do that so well where you have these very smart and insightful characters in whatever, in different ways, in their own ways. But they're still, you know, the way they speak and think about things, they're still teenagers. Yeah, so. yeah. It was good. I just, I'm done with Brian. I mean, at the same time, it made me, it did make me identify with him more. I'm just being kind of snarky. But yeah, he was just such a douche. You're kidding. I know, it's unusual for me. The other love triangle that was interesting, and I felt wasn't ever resolved or explained, I was really confused by all of it, was about Corey, Corey and Ricky, Ricky, and Rayanne. So it's not really a love triangle. It's just there's a new kid, Corey, and he mentions, he notices Ricky's vest, and he's he's really nice to them, and Ricky clearly has a crush on him. Um, yeah, immediately. Yeah, and... The guy, Corey, compliments Ricky's vest right away. Which yeah. I was like, ooh, maybe there's love potential here. But it's never clear, like, that his sexuality is never broached. No. Like, they never no. talk about it. But Rayanne asks him to the dance with Ricky and her. So the right. three she of them says, are going to hang out. The three of us will hang dance. out. Yeah. But then Rayanne's like, oh, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. And Ricky's nervous about that. He's like, well, can you please call him and tell him that so that he's not walking into the situation? expecting one thing and then yeah. finding out it's different and of course Rian doesn't Rian doesn't call him which again shitty man shitty friend right there but she does but she think she's doing him a favor like by forcing him I into think this she situation just blew it or off. she's just i think she just blew it off yeah that's what i think or is but... she trying to manipulate everything and she thinks it's funny because that's how she always acts it's ricky so i don't think she would do that just to be funny or like fuck with him i think it's just she's moved on in her head and she's mm. focused on her own shit but Corey's reaction is weird too like he he seems taken aback well so at first he and then... ricky are sitting up in the bleachers at the dance and it's cool like they're getting along and they're talking and they're connecting and then all of a sudden Corey's like so where's Rayanne?" and he's like oh she didn't call you she's not coming and then Corey was like this is weird to be expecting one thing and then have it yeah. go a different way and then Corey leaves, and poor Ricky, man, he's so sad. And oh, and he also asks Brian 
if he can hang out with Brian and Angela. And Brian, oh, yeah. idiot Brian, says no in case they want to dance or something. I mean, yeah. he's, he's just like holding Clueless on to this thread and, of hope yeah. that he and Angela might. But I mean, Ricky was clearly feeling awkward and lonely. Right. and But see, Brian doesn't pick up on that kind of stuff because yeah. he's socially stupid. Yes. And... And selfish in this episode. Super oh, selfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ricky also does have a line that's awesome. He says it to Rayanne because she brings up her drinking. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Ricky says, who cares about your stupid drinking problem? This is my life. <laughs> I actually really did love that. Because great. Ricky is always there for Rayanne. Yeah. He's always protecting her. He's always making his life about her life because he gives a fuck about her. And I loved that he was like, I just don't give a shit about your drinking problem right now. He always puts other people first. Like when Angela comes over and is talking to him outside the dance and they're, Ricky's explaining the whole thing with Rand and Corey and Angela, they're having a moment and they are like hugging. So Rand never called Corey. Would you like me to kill her? really nice offer but the truth is that would only solve half the problem and then jordan catalano comes out of the dance and ricky is like go ahead it's fine yeah he's always doing that Again, he's yeah, always he's... putting other people first and it's great that he finally told ray it was like, rad and it was very funny cares? obviously yeah i loved that i forgot about jordan showing up i that was dumb it was weird she walked outside he went outside and then she went outside and he like she was standing against the yeah. chain link fence and he put his arm up against her or against the fence. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he was like pinning her to the fence and it seemed kind of sexy. Like he was going to kiss her. But then he just goes, why are you like this? Yeah. She's like, like what? And he says, like the way you are. Like how you are or something. Yeah. It was very and weird. And I have no idea what he was talking about and or what leaves. she did. Yeah. And he just shows no interest in her, which is what the next episode is yeah. about in large part. But anyway... Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about this episode is just that it ends with, well, first of all, Ricky is just by far the best character in the yes. show. But it ends with... Is this another opportunity for me to sing? I don't know. I think it is. Why? What is love? Baby, Baby don't, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. <laughs> no more. I decided she started to, to leave you on me. your I own. Thought, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a good choice. It's so much better when you try this to sing. This is... Uh, like an audio medium and so people are okay do you want to try it again and you're the trained singer do you want to try it again and i'm the dingus do you want to anyway so at the very end ricky and delia delia shows up at the dance which props to her because i would never have done that yeah that bravery of showing up at a school dance by yourself is just something that I've always admired. Like When you uh, were dumped by the biggest nerd in school and then still showing up? Well, she doesn't seem as the biggest nerd in school. She really likes Brian. I know, she just, but he's a dingus. It, it reminded me of Pretty in Pink and Molly Ringwald showing up. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that movie that well, but she also... It's the one where everyone forgets her birthday, dumps. right? Look of disdain just happened. Andrew McCarthy... Mm-hmm. Does the same thing that Brian does to Delia for different reasons. But anyway, she shows up at the dance by herself. And I've just always been so in awe of that. So anyway, I like that about Delia. She shows up. She's by herself. She talks to Sharon. Sharon's super warm with her and just like basically fuck you, Brian, is her attitude. And Delia and Ricky end up dancing together at the end. And Ricky's dance moves. He fucking goes for it. Are so wonderful and joyful and it ends on this just like because ricky was really sad for a lot of this episode Mm -hmm. and just feeling like he doesn't belong and to see him just like cut loose yeah he said i belong nowhere with no one that i don't fit so Anyway, but the dancing at the end was just so good. And both of them are happy. They both end on this, like, fuck you. Like, you can't bring me down kind of vibe. And Delia has no, she doesn't know what's going to happen. And she doesn't know how to react at first. And then she's just like, fuck it. She goes with it too. And they're both, oh, it's so great. And everybody's watching. But it's not the typical, like, everyone's in a circle around them. It was more like a real dance. Like, people were just kind of making room for them and. 
yeah. watching it. and it, They were just doing their thing. It was cool. One thing about that was that Kyle, Kyle yep, I knew was you were watching gonna... Ricky with this look on his face that made me go, <laughs> it was so wait, weird. is Kyle gay? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Like, does is Kyle into Ricky? It was a really weird, Kyle's Maybe. just watching them dance and he's super into it. But he didn't dance the whole time, and he just stood there like a douche the whole time, staring off into space. Maybe that would explain. I mean, it doesn't explain. Even if he's gay, he's still a dickhead. He has been a dickhead. But it would explain how shitty he is as a boyfriend to a girl. Yeah, maybe. Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It was a weird scene. There's a lot of unanswered and unresolved things in this, which I guess is also like life. You don't get a nice little wrap-up. Or an understanding of everyone after a high school dance. Huh. Yeah. High school dances, man. I do. I think the feeling of unresolved tension and discomfort and awkwardness. Mm -hmm. That's what you mostly. That's what I mostly remember and remember feeling. And this episode got that across really clearly. One thing that I always find interesting is that, well, so I only went to two high school dances. We did not have them in Montana, obviously. You didn't have world happiness dances in Montana? We did not have dances. Hmm. But I went to one where I just stood in the corner and it was awful. And I went to another one where I think I also basically stood in the corner. I didn't dance. Nobody danced at our dance. Or not nobody. The ones that I went to, very few people actually danced. I love it when kids actually dance at dances. Anyway, speaking of Montana. Yes. Oh, sorry. We're, I'm done with that episode. Yeah, I, I am too. Yeah, okay. I mentioned last week when we heard Sarah again, I mentioned that we were going to hear another person that I was in Montana with, and her name is Laurel. So we're going to hear her talking about her memories and how she thinks of that experience now a little bit. When was she, Laurel there? How did it overlap with you? Laurel actually left right after I got there. She left a couple weeks after I got there, I think. But she was really close to a couple of the staff members and would come back and visit a lot. So I did know her a little bit. I mean, I knew her at the beginning for those two weeks because she was like, the thing that happened when you were about to leave, you were like the shit in the eyes of the staff. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Here's Laurel. I'm really not sure where to talk about, start talking about my time um, spent at the therapeutic boarding school. My name's Laurel, and I was at the school, both as a student and a staff member. I actually think working there was more traumatizing than going to school there. Um, But I got to see the school in a lot of different stages. I was sent there because, God, it was horrible. I just beaten my parents up so bad. I mean, not physically. Although that that occurred too at times. But I did drugs. I stayed out. I was in juvenile hall. Um, So I'm always uh, pretty thankful to my parents that they sent me away. I think they saved my life getting me out of the situation that I was in. Uh, I thank them for remortgaging their house. And scraping and borrowing to pay for the school. I know it was pretty expensive. I wish I could talk about that time with some humor. I loved hearing Jen and Micah's podcast about it because uh, I think it's hard to bring light to the a situation, um, situation like that. But it's not humorous for me thinking about it. I have anxiety to this day. I'm 41 years old. I have anxiety thinking about it. I watched a... S- stupid show with Leah Remini about Scientology and some of the things they talked about, some of the tactics that they used. Um, I started bawling, not realizing, you know, how much pain is still there to this day. Um, it's mixed. I have a lot of mixed feelings talking about the school. I met some of my very best friends that I have to this day at that school. You have this deep emotional connection with them because you know they were with you going through the same stuff you went through. Just the most vulnerable time, you know, in 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 your life. 
so I have good memories about it too. You know, when I went to school there, we actually got to do some fun things. Um, most of the staff was pretty nice, actually. I believe in their heart of hearts. They truly did their best. At, I think their mission was to help kids get better, girls get better. And I, and I, I believe wholeheartedly that that was their intent. I think the tactics that were used during the 90s and that time, the therapeutic tactics, oh, were not the best. Obviously not the best. They still give you anxiety. Sometimes since I work there and went to school there, the timetables are jumbled. So I never really want to talk about things too much because I don't want to break any confidentiality or, you know, say anything that would harm anyone. Uh, I'd love to talk about when Jen was there. I remember that time pretty well. I remember thinking how brave she was. I remember how sad she was. I remember thinking to myself, she's in the wrong place. This is not, this is not the right place for her. Um, I'm always so happy that I get to be on Facebook and see how amazing a lot of these girls are. That for me is, is the biggest uh, fuck you to that institution, I would say. I guess that was their goal, to have people be well and successful. But doing that in spite of them, I think is the biggest, the best for me. We used to have these groups group therapy sessions, you know, where, you know, they have to talk about something. I mean, there were girls there, like their moms died or their parents died or, you know, I mean, they had a fucking right to be acting a little out of hand, you know, imagine. So there were some girls there that had like real trauma. You know, I was just an asshole as a kid. Um, not just, but, you know, these guys, I mean, their parents died or they were raped or, you know, horrible things happened to these kids. And they were at the school and they were being punished and forced to talk about it and cry about it. And then somehow it was supposed to be better. And then you're in it at the time and you think, God, that's this is what you're supposed to do. You don't know any better. So those girls had a right to had a right to be nurtured a little bit more. Nurtured at all, actually. I think one of the hardest parts for me is I used to think of this place that I went to as a place that helped shape me as a young adult. Um, so going back to work there and seeing the shift that it had occurred, I don't know, but seeing how things really were done, just heartbreaking. You know, it wasn't the place I thought it was. And to look back and know that I was just a fucking dick and mean to some of the girls that, you know, had experienced the same thing I did. I just feel horrible about that. And I often think, think that I was set up. That this person who hated me wanted to show me, you know. Eventually I, I left. I'm so glad. Um, to this day, a couple of the people that worked at the school, I'm still friends with. We consider them family. You know, I love them. But the rest, I have this deep, just disdain, disgust. It's awful, you know? Thank you, Laurel. Thank you very much for sending those messages to me. I know that that was... That was really vulnerable, and I really appreciate that. But real talk, that's how some of <laughs> that's how some of us feel about that experience. Other people feel differently. My mom actually became one of our Patreon patrons and got to pick a topic for an episode, and she wanted she asked me specifically to do an episode about my happy memories from Montana. Hmm. So I will be talking about that at some point. But the overwhelming feeling that I have associated with that place matches much more with uh, Laurel's. Yeah, the first thing I wrote down listening to Laurel was 
because I've listened to you talk about Montana a lot and I'm really enjoying hearing other people that were there talk yeah. about this experience because it fleshes it out more for me. It obviously was a hugely important like number of years in your life and a big event that was traumatic and a lot of other things, but I can't ever experience it or really understand it. And mm -hmm. I, I often feel your frustration that you can't make me understand it. I never really get it. But one of the things that was echoed in what I've heard you say over the years was just this feeling of really conflicting emotions mm -hmm. about the whole experience because you guys were torn away from your lives not willingly i don't was anyone there like yeah i'm on board let's go to this school in montana i mean i'm sure there were people that i don't think so no had those feelings of yeah i need to turn something around maybe this is the way to do it but once you got there you probably weren't because it sounds like it was a pretty abusive and traumatic experience in a lot of ways and it maybe saved your lives in some cases maybe yeah laurel did say that and I was glad she brought that up that, you know, she says she's thankful to her parents for sending her there and all of that. I don't feel that way hmm. at all. But I do, you know, she said that she th she thinks her parents saved her life. And as I said, did I say that last week? Anyway, I've said recently that m my parents still think that too, that they saved my life by sending me away. And of course, who fucking knows? But yeah, so there's there is a really wide range of feelings and thoughts and memories about that place and I don't know if we've talked about this yet but one of the reasons we have different memories and feelings about it is because we were all treated differently which is something that we will probably get into eventually but anyway yeah. so just a reminder we are going to do a question and answer episode at some point about Montana so any questions you have, please start sending them to me. You've heard from Laurel. You've heard from Sarah. I have another friend, Claire, who has agreed to, you know, answer y'all's questions and stuff. So I think that could be a lot of fun. I mean, really, any questions, just details you're wondering about. Trust me, there's a weird story to go with any question that you have, I promise. <laughs> yeah, so, and the stories are fascinating. I can't wait to get more into it because for somebody that wasn't there... It's really interesting to hear about this experience. And like you kind of touched on this a little bit, that the school went through changes at different phases um, when yes. different people were there. It was more strict or it was more lenient. And and Laurel kind of, kind of touched on that a little bit, that it was different. When she was there, they got to do fun things. I was there at the height of... Yeah, the most intense, abusive, quote, therapy. Just the most extreme yeah. set of rules... And yeah, the most abusive time. And these people and, and the least amount of just any kind of fun or freedom. I mean, yeah. I remember hearing after I left, the girls got to have ice cream. <laughs> I remember hearing that they would do that sometimes. And I was like, what the fuck? But I think it's interesting to see, to hear Laurel's perspective too a little bit because she worked there and she got to see behind right. the curtain and see how fucked up things were in a different way. Yeah, so... That is really interesting to me because she was a favorite of one of the staff members. And that is the person, I mean, she's still in touch with their family. She's very close to them. And so she had a good experience while she was there because of that. And, but it turns out that another staff member, the one who I was fucking traumatized by and everyone was most, tra if, if you were traumatized, you were probably traumatized by him. He apparently did not like her that much and made her life fucking miserable when she worked there. So yeah, that, ex that is really interesting. So I would really like to hear more about that experience, but. And it's always interesting to me just to point out too, that one of these people, I always think none of them, but one of these people was trained at least a little bit or had some background in therapy or some kind of... One of them of... was a psychologist. But the rest of them were and just... And he was wonderful, by the way. Yeah. The I wish I could say them... names. You know what? We need to come up with na fake names for these people or something. I don't know why it matters, but still. Rorden just Just one. in case they want to like... That one dude who traumatized everybody, I could see him trying to sue us. So... Yeah. I just I do think it's interesting that there was one person there that was trained to do therapy or counseling. And the rest of these people were, were all of them recovering addicts or most of them? All of the founders of the school. Were. Right. But they didn't have any background in nope, counseling only people one of them. or therapy. And the school was completely unregulated from what I understand. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm sure they had some. They became an accredited school. So like our 
diplomas and everything were legit. So they were accredited right. as a school, but no, there, no, there were no regulations as far as their methods or any, no, yeah. not a, no one ever came out there to see what was going on or, I mean, really we were just at the hands of, yeah, we were just at the whim of the, ugh. we'll get into that more later. And you did bring up something earlier that I wanted to mention is that it was hard for me immediately as soon as I left there because my experience, my high school experience was so different than everybody else's. Everybody has some version of a normal high school experience. Everyone I know, except the people I was in Montana with or people who were maybe homeschooled or something. But for the most part, Everyone had just come from there. Everyone had just come from high school, and I could not relate to any of those fucking people. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to find my people, but there was a period where I didn't talk about it at all, really, because it was so frustrating for me. I just wanted to connect. I wanted somebody to actually understand. And, of course, it's impossible to understand if you weren't there. You cannot. You can't. Yeah. Our entire relationship, I've known this part of you. And I still don't understand it. Mm-mm. And I never will. Right. Yeah, so it is really nice to get back in touch with some people who can understand yeah. it. Some girls have kept in touch with each other over the years and have and see each other and talk to each other. And I haven't. I had one friend who I cannot find now who I was in touch with for a while. And we she came to visit me a couple times. But n- other than that, I really, I just didn't really keep in touch with anyone and i think some of that was the i don't know it's a that's a whole thing to Mm -hmm. dig into but it has to do i think with people's different experiences partially and just how hurt i was by the whole thing and yeah are we done with this now yeah okay so again thank you so much laurel i appreciate your honesty and vulnerability so very very much So, on to episode 12. Yes, and I can't believe it took me 12 episodes to bring this up, but... Ooh, I'm excited. Is it about Tino? Nope. Oh, did Tino come up in episode 11? (laughs) I don't know. I didn't have any Tino Tino notes. I don't know. Shit. Someone must have mentioned Tino. He's a, he's, you know. Oh, God. This is a major oversight. I want to apologize to all our listeners. We set something up. That we were going to talk about Tino, just like they talked about Tino, and we fucking blew it. Is it too late? We already introduced episode 12. Okay. Anyway, no, it's not about Tino. (laughs) It's much bigger than that, Jen. Okay. It bugs me every (laughs) single episode. The title sequence, they show all the characters, and they put their names up there. Mm. And none of them line (laughs) up. I understand there are rules with billing and how they had to do that. Re-edit the fucking title sequence then. That has always bugged me about it's so title annoying. sequences that, that do that, that don't match the names up with the people. Why not? This it seems like so a very simple thing to too. do so that we know oh, who the people so are. It's so annoying. And yeah. the other thing I notice every time and think is interesting is... is how big Graham's suits are. No, that's just during the episodes. But yeah, I noticed it again several times during this these one? episodes. Yeah, oh, you he did? had one jacket on that was. <laughs> I love hearing you talk about gone, it. It was like down to his fucking knees. It was like a <laughs> it was robe. Not. That it was a is sport robe. Fucking bullshit. No, he had like it was long. It was extra long. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, it was in either eleven or twelve. <laughs> but it was this long ass sport coat. Like it was like a duster. He walks in. You know, a while back, we talked about, I don't know that we talked about it on the show, but we talked about it in our Facebook group, and I think we need to talk about it now. We said that a giveaway for this show could be a (laughs) hand-drawn character from my so-called life done by Micah. Mm, And I think that, I think a drawing of Graham in a giant coat needs to happen, Micah, and somebody should win that it's just gonna be a coat with a tiny little head sticking out <laughs> okay what i was Wait, gonna say I... oh from you the still title haven't sequence, said the thing something that i like is um i am reminded every time that brian's name and sharon's name the real the actor's names are devon both of them so interesting <laughs> just let that sink in that little nugget of wisdom wow i need a minute just to process you mm-hmm. know that's mm-hmm. so 
Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're welcome. God, your observations. Can I, before you say anything else, because I really wanted this to be the first thing that was said about oh, this episode, okay. but I mean, well, actually, we haven't said anything about this actual episode. <laughs> no, we haven't. Sharon broke up with fucking, fucking Kyle. Kyle. Finally. Hell yeah. Thank God. Sharon's on the market, people. She's available. Oh. Fucking Kyle's gone. Where I was going with it, but okay. I mean, I, yeah, fucking right. Kyle's gone. Although, who knows? We'll see if it's he's actually school. gone. But he was not in Apparently, this episode. Apparently, there are only like 15 students in the school. So who's she going to date now? They did introduce another character in this one. Her name's Abyssinia. Oh, yeah. And I recognized her. And I had to look it up, but she was in... Sorry, again, I don't know the actor's name. Do you know her name? No. Idiot. I don't think that's it. Uh, she was in Lean on Me. Mm. Look it up. She's awesome. I love her. And she was great in this. She. She's really good at geometry. She's really good at geometry, but she's pretending to be bad at it for this dude because she yeah. likes this dude. But also... She tells Angela at one point in the bathroom that she doesn't want to be a schoolgirl anymore. It's like, you don't want to be the Jordan Canelano, but you don't want to be the super smart kid because then you get made fun of. It's just so dumb. Can we stop doing that to kids? Like, I mean, can kids stop doing that to each other? Yeah, let's not blame ourselves. Fucking be who you are. It's the kids' fault, Jen. Kids are the worst. Truth. Glad we got that out of the way. Uh, So this episode's all about making out and where, where people make out. The make out spot at um their high school liberty high is that what it's called mm, something is the boiler room apparently which is just open all the time and nobody's ever no in, one ever so. goes down there except angela jordan and jordan and meet angela. down there like every day fifth period when angela's supposed to be going to her geometry review they She's just gonna blow her make midterm, out you guys like crazy down there it looks like a lot of fun oh there's there i would say probably 95 percent of this episode is them making out in slow motion Slow motion? Yeah, there were like slow, they're touching their faces and looking at each other in their eyes and kissing. Right. But then the more important, the reason that's important is because Jordan totally blows her off when anyone else is around. So he comes down there and acts like he's all into her and then completely ignores her any other time. And so that ends up being what that is all about is that, yeah, I mean, Sharon, so... There's a band playing. Buffalo Tom. Thank you. Buffalo Tom is playing on Friday somewhere. And Angela hears that he's going to... At the gonna... pike. Thank you. Angela <laughs> hears that Jordan's going to go. She lies to Rianne and Sharon because they're both concerned. They're like, mm, you know, we're worried. We think you're going to get hurt. He's not treating you well. He doesn't seem to want to be seen with you kind of thing. And Angela lies and said, well, then why did he ask me to meet him on Friday? Which he didn't. But the three of them, which I also loved, I love that Rayanne and Angela and Sharon went together. They went to the Buffalo Tom show and Jordan was there and Angela walked up to him and he totally blew her off. Was a complete asshole. Oh, he didn't just blow her off. He was like, he told her, you're, you're kind of in my way. You're kind of crowding me because he's trying to play pool. Yeah. I just had an ant crawling on my ear. Oh, good. That's real life. That's Thanks, real talk. Everybody. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Here. Send an ants here. Oh. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> anyway, so she's very upset about that, obviously, and she storms out, and then... And Rayanne goes up and yeah. tells him off and says... Well, I like, thought she was going to tell him off. She it wasn't does, as good of a tell-off. She said... You know you like her. Would it kill you to admit it? Maybe treat her halfway decent? Because you know, she deserves it. And she's not going to wait around for you forever. Anyway, it's awesome because it's these two friends of Angela's who are... Well, wait, wait, wait. Okay, we got to back up a little. (laughs) Because we have to introduce another new character who was... Who is the new teacher. He's the new English teacher. Yes. Thank God he took the place of Miss Lerner. Drama club teacher. And he's also the drama club teacher. And he keeps trying to get Ricky to do drama club. Enrique. Oh, he calls him Enrique the whole episode. Which seemed annoying at first, but then it became about Ricky hiding who he really is. Right. Or, you know. But and the also way that's... the teacher did it was kind of shitty. No, he yeah, just kept was... doing it. And he's like, don't call me that. My name's Ricky. Right. And he's and, like, okay, Enrique. And you like, should he's respect just that, obviously. But he's also really weird. So I thought at first that maybe he was kind of into Ricky. 
Well, I was I think worried he is, about that. I, I, I think, think he's, he's gay. gay. No, I but, do too. Yeah. But I thought at first, because he kept bugging about it, that he had sort of a crush on him. But I don't think that's what was going on. I think he's just a weird dude. He's he's kind of, yeah. he's very socially awkward. Miss Lerner has a big crush on him. Yeah. And oh, she tries to flirt with him and it's she's the worst. super awkward. She's the worst, so I didn't feel bad for her. But he doesn't even seem to pick up on her signals. He's yeah. just, it's great. he's kind of a socially... Uh, inept guy a little bit and he bit. has these weird tics like he, he just pauses and forgets oh, he's yeah. really forgetful <laughs> he and he pauses in every in sentence. weird sentences and, yeah. Yeah. and he walks up on Ricky imitating him okay this is him my name is Mr. Uh, Kutimsky and here's a sonnet by William uh, Shakespeare who's almost as boring as I Mr. uh No. Yeah. Anyway, so he keeps pushing this drama club thing. He knows Ricky would be good at it. By the way, this guy, the guy who plays the teacher, was Cyrus Bean in Scandal, mm-hmm. if any of you are Scandal fans. Once again, I don't know the actor's name because I, I don't do any actual research. You know, Micah, you used to do research on this stuff. What happened to that? Oh, I did some. You? What did you discover? I researched other things. Not this. Okay. We'll get to it later. Really? Maybe if we have time. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I think yeah. we might be running out of time already. Yeah, huh? yeah. Anyway, Ricky does sign up for drama camp in the end because he really does want to do it. And the line the is The teacher great, does have a great line, yes. He gives him. He says, like, you shouldn't like, hide don't... who you are. And... What is holding you back here? That I'm not cool enough? Don't let the fact that your English teacher is a dork stop you from fulfilling your potential. Like, just pretend I'm a track coach. I happen to notice that you can run fast. I need you on my team. It's as simple as that, Enrique. Stop calling me that. Why are you calling me that? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. It's, it, it's just... Oh, gee whiz, it's such a great name. When I was in high school, I hated my name. I hated it. I don't hate my name. I, I just... I'm good. I'm really glad. Nobody should hate who they are. That's great. Graham's oh. also taking a cooking class in this oh, yeah. one. And there was a whole weird subplot that was too long, I felt. Like, because I'm just, I don't care about the parents anymore. I'm tired of their little subplots. But, and it just didn't, it could have been wrapped up in one scene, but they spread it out over like nine scenes. Basically, he he doesn't want to go to the class because Patty signs him up for it. Again, Patty's making decisions that he has blatantly said he doesn't want. But then he goes, and and it's the chef is Stefan Dieter or something from Stefan's Kitchen, that TV show, Stefan's Kitchen. You know, you know the one. Graham says, didn't he die? And she says, no, he didn't die. Patty says this. And so he ends up going to the class, and Stefan Dieter ends up being a douche. He doesn't show up, or then he's, he's late. drunk. He's, he's drunk. Yeah. Nobody can understand him because he's foreign, I guess, and drunk. But then at one point, somebody asks a question, and Graham says how to do something, and then everyone starts asking him questions, and he starts explaining how you make a risotto and how you do this sauce and stuff, and they ask him to teach the class. Yeah. And so he's, he's going to teach the class. Kind of into it. So he's going to teach a cooking class exciting. at a community but college. But then he and Patty have this moment where... Yeah. He's upset that she's so surprised by it, and I and also I'm still not sure what's going to happen with that woman in the class. Yeah, she was. There, this it was a little weird... weird. It seemed to me like she was into him, maybe, but I don't know. She kept talking about her fiance, so. But he also maybe was not like. I didn't into, think he, he was. He was, was asked. She's. She was going to ask him something, and he's like, "Yes." Like he was looking for something, well, they were and then she friendly. asked about it's a friendly. It's it's always hard to recipe. tell. I don't want to assume every time a man and a woman interact on a tv show well but when, or in real fucking life when that, that first man when that male character is first introduced in, in the show and he has a mistress or you think he does in the very first episode right i think it, it's yeah. a legit thing I, and he and patty are having a lot of conflict about her controlling things and him not yeah. knowing what to do oh and patty's dad yeah came but back my point was my was point was that men and women can be friends right <laughs> Here's and the, the one fact thing, that they can't is a myth. Here's the one thing that I 
Um, I should say straight men and women. Okay. Here's the one thing that I did research. Um, <laughs> the weird woman in Graham's cooking class, he mentions she had one of those flip phones. And I thought, what the fuck? 1994? She had a flip phone? What kind of flip phone? So I did research on that. <laughs> and remember those Motorola StarTacs? And No. Oh, they were fucking awesome. I remember those. So... Okay. That's what I did research Let on. Let me get I this straight. Up. I was like, oh, there were flip phones. I remember those. You got you did research on something visual for our podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you found a bunch of images, I'm uh-huh. guessing. That's cool. Just two. I, I just saw could, it and was like, cool. I guess we could I remember tweet, those now. We could tweet out an image and share an image somewhere. Or everyone that's listening has already looked one up. So we don't need to do that. So you're welcome. And thank you for doing our work for us. So that's the end of the Graham storyline. God, I hope that's the end of the Graham storyline. The next seven episodes, there's no Graham. That'd be great. Patty and Graham have a great interaction about... Well, so Angela is making out with Jordan all the time. She's like floating around the house. She's really happy because they're making out all the time. Kisses both her parents. Yeah, and greets them. She's like, I'm not hungry and goes upstairs. And they have a great little moment where Patty's like, okay. Okay, now... I refuse to panic just because she's happy. Although it's alarming. Although it's terribly alarming. It is genuinely yeah. funny. And then okay. everything goes to shit because Jordan's an ass. Jordan's an ass. So I think we covered that. Kinda. And Angela realizes that she's been wasting all this time with this guy who doesn't even treat her right. And she's going to fail her midterm in geometry because she's been skipping the geometry review to play tonsil hockey with this guy in the boiler room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she starts studying for geometry a lot instead of making out. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's a thing that happens throughout this episode where it first happens with Ricky and Brian, where two people are are next to each other and talking, oh, but they're having two different conversations. You know what so I mean? Much. Let's do one, for example. Oh, man, I just I had a really rough day. I know. I can't stand it. When I have to watch people have parallel conversations. I mean, and I couldn't figure out how to get to the post office. And then I got stuck in a, a bog. Right? <laughs> and they just, they wait. It's super artificial. They wait for the other person to talk as if they're listening. And then they say something that's completely unrelated. <laughs> and then I had to have somebody come and rescue me from the bog with like a really long branch. Oh, that's so weird. When they do that, they just keep talking about things that aren't related at all. And it pisses me off. It's not a good device that writers use. It's so annoying. I mean, I think I think that it... I don't know. It doesn't annoy, an, <laughs> doesn't annoy me as much as it annoys you. Well, that's staying in there. But what did annoy me is that they used it throughout the episode. It wouldn't have annoyed yeah. me if it was once... But they do that. They always do that They've on this show. Before, this yeah. show always has a thing that everyone does. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't hate that. I just, this one is a little annoying. So another thing they did that they often do, um, which they, they used in episode 11, they used the same exact lines that three different men delivered about having a philosophy about whatever happens, happens. Right, right. Um, yes, that's the one from last one. And in this one, they did a callback to the last episode um, where... Jordan asks Angela, why are you like this? And he's, she says, like, what? And he says, like, how you are. And then in this one, after Angela gets pissed because Jordan, they go down to the boiler room one more time. He leaves a note in her locker. Meet me in the boiler room. After she has been blown off publicly and she's super mad. And she still goes. And she and says, And she's mad at herself about it. Yeah. <laughs> I went. Anyway. She goes down there. He shows up. They start making out. And then she stops and pushes him off. And she asks, why are you like this? And he says, like, what? And she says, like, how you are. Mm-hmm. Um, which I like that she threw that back in his face. Yeah. Um, and she also does tell him directly in yeah. that scene, you can't treat me one way. Yeah, In finally. front of your friends and another way down here. Jesus. And... Admit it first. Admit what? That all of this happened. That you have emotions. That you can't, like, treat me one way in front of your friends and the next minute leave me some note. 
And by the way, I spell my name with one L. Angela had another really great line, which was, let the boys shout out the answers, which they will, even if they're wrong. Boys are less afraid of being wrong. Yeah. She's trying to hide in geometry because she hasn't been going to the geometry reviews. I want to just talk about that super insightful comment on gender because it's so fucking true. And it's true not just about yelling out answers. It's true about confidence in general. Yeah, we generally really feel okay saying stupid things out loud. Saying whatever the fuck you feel like saying and then not worrying about what other people think about what you said or how other people might feel about what you said. Right. If you need more evidence, just listen back to our previous episodes. Not true. I think I'm ready to talk about the very end of this episode. Yeah, it was an interesting scene. So they're in English class with Mr. Dadinsky. Katimsky. Yeah. That's but said. that's actually very apropos because he can't remember how his to own say name anything or what to say or yeah yeah it's awkward <laughs> they're in english class and they're reading something and i wish i could remember what it was that they were reading shakespeare well yeah shakespeare but which which play it wasn't Ro- romeo and juliet so just to be clear we're not illiterate buffoons not anymore i just googled it yeah and it was not a play at all <laughs> no it's sonnet uh 130 by William Shakespeare. Yes. Well, we said it was Shakespeare. Right. We knew we that, knew that because Mr. Katimsky said it. I think it's Didinsky. It's definitely not. Anyway, so they're <laughs> they're reading this sonnet, and Mr. Katinsky starts asking questions after they've read it. He says, "What kind of girl is Shakespeare describing here? Is she is she the most beautiful girl?" No. Is she a goddess? Yeah. Physically perfect? The kind of girl who uh, stops traffic when she walks down the street? No. So he's not in love with her? Yeah. He is. When, why is that? Why is he in love with her? What is it? What is it? What is it about her? That she's not just a fantasy. She's got, like, flaws. She's real. Thank you. All of a sudden, Jordan understands something for the first time in a class Mm -hmm. that we've seen. He's like, yeah, he is. And, of course, he realizes that he, I guess, that he's in love with Angela. Which is the implication that Angela's ugly and gross to be around and her breath smells? Because that's what's in the sonnet. I don't, yeah, that part was weird to me, too, that it was basically like, but, okay, so if you look at it, Jordan is this super pretty guy who his friends think should be with, I don't know who. You know what I mean? There's a certain type of girl that maybe yeah. he thinks he's supposed to be with. It's I don't know. And Angela's not that girl. Has he thought that far ahead about anything? I think you might be giving him a little too much credit. I don't I don't know. But I don't anyway, think he cares. He, he has decides a philosophy that he where loves her. just whatever happens, happens. Yeah. He decides that he loves her. And then the last scene is he walks up to her in walks the hallway. Walks out of class, walks straight to her. And grabs her hand. And they walk down the hallway holding hands, and that's the last scene. And so everybody like watches. So they're a public item now. Brian watches, and he's devastated. Yeah. Ricky watches. Part of him is also devastated, and part of him is happy. Mm-hmm. Rayanne watches. Who knows what the fuck she's thinking. Yeah. So that was the end of the episode, and I'm very, very curious about where it's going next. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll find out. We've got seven more episodes. Seven more episodes. Uh, and after this one, next week, we are taking another brief break from my so-called life. We are going to be talking about an album that was that came out in 1995. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be a lot of fun. And it's going to be our first guest, everybody. Yes. Our, our very dear friend, Eric, is going to be our very first guest. And he, well, we'll talk about that next week, about why and all that. 
But yeah. the album we're going to talk about is... Did you want to say this? It seemed like you wanted to say it. Sure. It's An Outcome the Wolves by Rancid. Um, I'm very excited about it. Which, by the way, is a lot of fun to listen. Nah, yeah. I shouldn't say that any of that. No, you nope. shouldn't save it for next time. Um, but you guys should go listen to it right now. It's really good. Go listen to it. Prepare for go listen next to it week. before next week. So that does it for episodes eleven and twelve of my so-called life. And this week of I never saw that for this. Or I said this week, but anyway, also this week. <laughs> Um, if you would like to support us, if you like what we do and think that it deserves your support, please check out our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash I never saw that podcast. Uh, we really, really could use your support and appreciate your support so much. Our, our goal is to get to 50 patrons. When that happens, somebody gets to design a tattoo for me. So help us get to 50, please. Please don't make me design it. I can't draw, which you'll all see evidence of soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy I Never Saw That, please tell your friends, review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, join our Facebook group. You can find links to all of that at inoversawthat.com. Also, if you're going to rent or purchase any of the things um, that we're talking about, we will have links up for Rancid, which we're going to be doing next week, and any of my so-called life stuff, just go to the website. It's all there. it'd be really helpful. If you click on those links, we get a tiny little commission, and that'd be really cool. You could be the first. Actually, no, we already got a little bit, but I'm waiting for that five-cent check. We got five cents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That sweet, sweet internet money. We would like to thank Minus Violet for our theme music. Thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. Also, thanks to Fee5Folios for all of our internets. Until next time, see you in the the 90s. 90s. My mistress' eyes are nothing like the sun. Coral is far more red than her lips red. If snow be white, why then her breasts are done. If hair be wires, black wires grow on her head. I have seen roses damaged, red and white, but no such roses see I in her cheeks. And in some perfumes is there more delight than in the breath that from my mistress reeks. I love to hear her speak, yet well I know that music hath a far more pleasing sound. I grant I never saw a goddess go, my mistress when she walks treads on the ground. And yet by heaven, I think my love as rare as any she belied with false 